I'm Mark Pfeffer, and this is People Tech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. My guest today is Ann Fulton, the founder and CEO of Fuel50. Their platform facilitates talent mobility, workforce agility, employee engagement, and retention. We'll talk about the dynamics of internal mobility and get into some nuts and bolts on this edition of People Tech. Anne, welcome. So Fuel50 has um, been publishing a multi-part study. Can you tell me what it's about and what kind of things you were hoping to discover? Um, yes, thanks, Mark. Uh, so earlier this year, we um, were really wanting to understand what was happening with talent mobility post-pandemic. So we did a global talent mobility research study um, across multiple geographies and um, had 400 respondents, 200 um, HR stakeholders um, from all sorts of organizations around the world and also 200 employees, which gave us a wonderful perspective on what employees are thinking versus what our HR stakeholders are thinking. And it was, was very surprising in some places. <laughs> and, well, what did you find? Yes, so I think... Um, I think unsurprisingly, we, we, st- we started off by looking at, you know, what were the strategic priorities on people's agenda, um, you know, ac- across the landscape as they looked into 2022. Um, but what was really interesting about our study was that we were able to segment high performing organizations. So those organizations with best revenues, most sales growth, um, best MPS scores. So we were able to look at that high performing population as well as a high performing population on HR practices. So those organizations had lower attrition, lower recruitment costs, more, were spending more on training and development. So they're a beautiful class. So we looked at those um, and then we looked at everyone else. <laughs> so there were three, three audiences. And, um, you know, what we found was uh, the strategic priorities for everyone, you know, everyone that responded said leadership development, DE&I, and um, the employee experience. One, two, three. Um, in that, not necessarily in that order. Um, but when we went to the high-performing audience, it was slightly different. What we saw is that they were more future-oriented. So that audience were, um, were prioritizing the future of work. So the high-performing um, organizations were prioritizing the future of work, reskilling for the future, and um, boundaryless or seamless talent pools between internal and external recruitment. So they were, they were, in my view, thinking more strategically. So that was kind of a number one finding is that those high performing organizations were thinking further ahead, um, more futuristic uh, and more focused on the future of work. So that was a headline. Did it surprise it did actually, because I mean, I thought maybe everyone was going to be prioritizing reskilling and future of work, but to see that there was such a strong difference. So the average organization, leadership, employee experience, the high performers were thinking five years ahead, I need to reskill for the future. So I think that's, that's a learning for us all, is to, to be able to think a little further ahead. Um, the, one of the other things that we looked at was organizations, we were able to also segment on organizations that had the best D, E, and I outcomes. So they were getting the best um, um, outcomes when it came to um, 
inclusivity and diversity. So they had more female representation at leadership level, um, more ethnic diversity at leadership level. They had um, more pay equity across the organization, across different um, demographics. So they, they were classed as our best, best in class um, DE&I group. And when we looked at that group, we, we could see that they were prioritizing the same things, leadership development, etc. But when it came to actual practices, we saw some significant differences around what those organizations were doing. And so they were, they were um, investing heavily in mentoring. So, so for their target audiences, they were actively providing match mentors and providing mentoring. Uh, the second thing was is that they had a big emphasis on stretch assignments, projects and opportunities for that target audience. So giving them experiences that were going to give them exposure to the wider business, build them visibility, as well as build skills and um, experiences. So what that was able to do, in my view, I'm guessing that the outcomes that those organizations were achieving were a direct result of the, of the investment in those people in some very smart ways. So it, it was a, it was an interesting insight, I think, about what we can do. If, if that is one of your strategic goals, you know, diversity and inclusivity, there are things that you can do. So looking at mentoring programs, looking at stretch assignments, projects, um, and, and, you know, creating an opportunity marketplace where people um, of all um, all backgrounds are able to participate with more visibility as opposed to your best friend that looks like you and I'll give him that assignment <laughs> or her that assignment you know um, I'll go out to a marketplace and, and find um, you know perhaps who might want to put their hand up for this project and make a contribution and then create some visibility around their contribution. So you you conducted this survey in the midst of the pandemic so mm -hmm. it, it's including um, the, the thinking and the feelings of people um, in the midst of COVID. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think that has changed um, the way employers are addressing things like DEI and mentorship? Um, yeah, I, th I think it's definitely um, um, trended you know, significantly as a result of the pandemic. I think all of a sudden our talent practices came under the spotlight, um, you know, even more so in the last 18 months. And, you know, there's all sorts of examples of employee voice, you know, that, that came up over the last 18 months where um, anything other than fair, equitable practices was not going to cut it. And so I think we've, we've entered a new generation, I think, a new era of um, kind of accountability around our practices. So in my view, we can't be anything other than, you know, holding up to very, very high standards in our, in our talent practices now in a way that is democratic and fair and equitable and inclusive. So this is, this is the kind of things that we're thinking about a lot, you know, in terms of our own technology and how does it make sure that um, nobody's unintentionally excluded from a marketplace, everyone's got a fair and equal opportunity, and that there's no um, unintentional bias um, sneaking into into our AI and our talent matching capabilities because you know we're very very committed to doing good with our software not harm. Let's focus in on talent marketplaces for for a moment. Um, can you just sort of describe the talent marketplace and is it a tangible thing or is it just a concept? Um, it's well beyond a concept, and I think you know. But I, but I do think it's a new concept for a lot of um, folk in, in organisations and HR folk to, to understand 
and well, what is it and how does it operate and how is it different from my um, traditional talent systems? So, um, you know, if you think about a marketplace offering, and I use the example of Amazon or eBay, right? Connects you to things you want, connects you to stuff. <laughs> and then if you have um, 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 Facebook or Tinder or LinkedIn, it connects, you know, it's a marketplace to connect you to people. Airbnb and Uber connect you to places you want to go, right? So they're purposeful. So a talent marketplace within an organization is a democratic, inclusive marketplace that connects people to opportunities that are matched to them. So we're bringing in that kind of matching science that you might see in match.com or, um, you know, matched um, journeys for your Uber or, you know, matched journeys or matched places with your Airbnb. So, so our talent marketplace will match employees to um, career journeys, to jobs, to roles, to projects and stretch assignments and to, to learning that's personalized to them and to mentors. So all of that matching capability from a marketplace enables um, an employee to, to craft their own future, um, to get on with that journey. I mean, organizations are talking about reskilling as being really important. And what, what a marketplace will allow you to do, um, or if you're 51 will do, is allow you to kind of map out a career journey that you may want to go on and then connect you to all of the learning assets associated with your skill gaps. So I'm able to get on with my journey, you know, from, from instantaneously. I might dream of being the CEO. Maybe I've got match score today of 15%, but I'm given everything I need to know. Like, who could I connect to? Here's my top five skill gaps, business acumen, negotiation and influencing skills. Here's the learning assets. Here's somebody that's great at that. Connect with that person. They can mentor you. So there's a lot of enablement to allow people to own their future within the organization. Is this being driven by the employers or by the employees? So, so that part of the equation is um, employee driven, but there is a flip side for the organization because you can see there's a strong what's in it for me for the um, employees, right? That they're given a lot of enablement. But on the flip side, the organization gets this wonderful um, skills intelligence, skills readiness, that they've got a workforce that is um, being matched to opportunities. So the flip side is any line manager, any leader, any HR practitioner or recruiter can get access to talent pipelines of people that have been matched to their requirements, whether it's a project, a gig, a stretch assignment or a job or a vacancy. So that, that pipeline and talent view is really important in terms of helping organizations um, um, resource. And, and there's huge benefits if you can resource internally rather than externally. You know, um, an internal candidate costs you half as much to acquire, at least, um, twice as faster on board, more productive, more engaged, less likely to leave. And um, whereas if you go externally, it's going to cost you at least twice as much. I reckon more like six times as much to get an external person. Um, the data says you pay them 20% more, um, you know, which is a lot. Um, but they're 61% more likely to be fired and leave you. You know, so, so, you know, there's a really strong proposition for looking you know, to your internal talent first. Um, and some of our clients are getting incredible gains um, in terms of shifting their internal external recruitment ratios. So these pre-fuel 50 would be 33%, but it goes up to 55% um, of positions being filled internally, you know, after you deploy a marketplace mentality. 
So some marketplaces, I'm just coming back to your original question, Mark. It took me a while. <laughs> but, but marketplaces are, um, you know, slowly and progressively replacing some of those legacy talent systems that, you know, the employees wouldn't necessarily want to use the performance management system. They'd go in there once a year because, <laughs> because they'd have to, um, you know, or, or, or a quarterly cadence. So we're able to get goal alignment and you can record your contributions as an employee because this is very democratic. I'm recording the value that I've added to this organization. I've got feedback. So the marketplace mentality is, is performing is replacing some of that legacy performance management kind of mentality with, with a more focus on contribution, recording my goals and contributions and my progress and, and my skill development, but the employee's responsible for that. So it's, it's a godsend for, for leaders and that they can see the employee, you know, gaining feedback into a 360 tool, the manager can add their view, but um, that information is populated in a way that makes it faster and easier for leaders to get goal alignment and to help coach performance. And, and just sitting in behind the system is this incredible leader coaching platform that supports leaders to have these wonderful quality conversations. You can look through your list of team and see who might be a retention risk. You're given three, three or five questions to ask that person that might just turn around that person looking down the road. So, so we can help them with that. We can help them with the performance gaps or skill gaps that are, that are appearing. So leaders are also enabled. We're enabling the employee, own their future, own their learning, but we can also help the leader. Um, do a better job of coaching and retaining and growing their talent. What we're finding from some of our clients is that they want to be able to compare the skills and talents of their internal talent with the external um, um, capability. So, you know, currently we work in an integrated, seamless ecosystem. So, yes, we integrate with the ATS and the LMS and the um, whatever other systems the organisation may have. But... Um, you know, what the request that we get from clients is I'd like to compare and contrast this external capability, you know, this external talent, this newbie with somebody that I've got within my team. And so that kind of um, singular view and being able to compare and contrast and bring some of your external talent into a talent marketplace pool is, is um, you know, probably a, a frontier that's going to be addressed in the next year or so. Okay. Well, Anne, thanks very much for visiting us today. Been my pleasure, Mark. Always enjoy connecting. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. My guest today has been Ann Fulton, the founder and CEO of Fuel 50. And this has been People Tech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report, where a publication of Recruiting Daily. We're also a part of Evergreen Podcasts. To see all of their programs, visit www.evergreenpodcasts.com. And to keep up with HR technology, visit the HCM Technology Report every day. We're the most trusted source of news in the HR tech industry. Find us at www.hcmtechnologyreport.com. I'm Mark Pfeffer.
faith in the news media has been challenged, making it even harder to get stories told. The Friday Reporter podcast was created to help audiences better understand the media by hosting journalists who will answer the questions to which we need answers. Join me every Friday to hear more. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.